0: Four. I'm, gonna I'm gonna be a leader lead.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Championship Leadership Podcast. We got Victoria Peltier here from uh, originally from Canada, lives in New York City, is the vice president of IBM's North American Talent and Transformation. Uh, did I get that right?
0: You did.
2: Thank Hi, you. Right? That- <laughs> I
1: appreciate you being here, Victoria. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, I know. This is great. Love it. Thanks very much for having me, Nate.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first question I do like to ask. Uh, all of our guests is championship leadership is the name of the podcast. So what comes to mind for you? What does that mean to you when you hear championship leadership? Uh,
2: So I, it's interesting. I sign a lot of my social media posts off hashtag unstoppable. Uh, And the other, no excuses. My kids love that one, but uh, the unstoppable mantra for me, you know, from a workplace perspective, leadership perspective is just one I've long since embraced, whether it's, this terrible second quarter we sit in dealing with with COVID and all that you know that comes with it, you know, or whether it's just the obstacles that we face, challenges with clients, etc.
1: Yeah, where, where did the where does unstoppable come from? Where where did that come from for you?
2: It um, it actually comes from my my youth and my roots. So I you know very humble and difficult beginnings. You know I may I'm, a, I'm a adopted. Prior to that, you know, I'm born to a drug-addicted teenage mother who was fairly abusive. And so my early beginnings was fight or flight, right? And so for me, it was about fighting. So, you know, learning how to overcome, you know, that onwards and onwards to even my first executive role came at age 24 and being not only the youngest at the table by about two decades, but the only woman at the table as well. I just learned that if I wanted to be successful you know, one of the key components of that was simply to deliver. So for me, that meant being unstoppable, no matter what stood in my way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. What's, um, who are some of the championship leaders, coaches, mentors, people that have impacted you in your life? And as I often like to say, it's, it's, it's usually less about, you know, who that person is or what their name is, but, uh, feel free to share, but more so about like, what are some of the characteristics that really stand out to you um, from these individuals that have really impacted you, and maybe even more so characteristics you might take in and to help mold who you are as a leader.
2: You know, what's interesting, Nate, I, I, I'm asked to speak a lot about, about this. And as I mentor, a lot of people both in and outside of the workplace. And the interesting thing is I'd say it's been much more so the leaders I've learned whom I do not want to be like, right? So those characteristics where mm-hmm. um, I just said, like, that is not who I'm going to be as a leader. It's not, doesn't, you know, align with my values. And some of those would be things like being incredibly short-sighted, you know, where I love Simon Sinek and, you know, you know the infinite game and the infinite game of business. There's, you know, we're not winning in business, right? We win it. There's certain elements of it we're, you know, we're successful at. And I've seen many leaders who were the opposite of that, right? So in their quest to be the best, you know, it meant making really myopic sort of, you know, decisions for the short term, whether it was, you know, in-quarter results that had an impact on long-term client relationship uh, or, you know, the the, the followership of our, our team. So those were some of the the things that I've, I've seen, you know, that I've learned, like, I did not want to be like. I had a leader once whom said to me, and this is long before the days of Brené Brown and being vulnerable. But he actually said to me at one point, he said, you know, it's oh, Victoria, it's okay to be vulnerable. And, you know, that's because maybe because of my early beginnings, maybe because of being a, an executive for a very large, like had 5,000 person team was my first exec role. And I felt the need to wear a mask and, you know, all business all the time, not bringing my whole self and authentic self to the, to the workplace. And I had, I'd, had a less, I'd had that lesson a little bit prior to this one leader saying it to me, but it was just, he's not the type of man you would have thought that from. He's a British, stereotypically British man, wouldn't t- talk about his emotions, yet it was he who said that to me. And it, it kind of sat back and it was the second piece I needed to then sort of look a little bit more critically at myself in the mirror of what being a champion leader, um, and quite frankly, just the type of person I want to be, what that looks like.
1: Yeah, you kind of spoke to it, but I, there was one thing that's sticking out to me for sure. You got the unstoppable. You have the not so great upbringing that, that I'm sure it, it sounds like you've definitely been able to, to learn from and, and help you to be the person you are today. And then also the, the answer to your question is not the great leaders that I've had, but the ones that I haven't had and, that, and what's really stood out to me that I'm not going to do so Maybe talk more a little bit about this. I don't know. That I mean, it seems to be a little bit of a pattern there. Of, And I think it probably is, right? Because of the, the struggles that you had early on that have really impacted you and who you are.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those are, you know, what I, it's funny, my best friend, did, you know, gave me a nickname a long time ago, the turtle, right? So really tough exterior. I can handle a lot. Um, and by the way, having grown up or in Canada, um, hockey is our national, you know, um, mm-hmm. I am a hockey player as well. So, you know, broad shoulders, comfortable out there. And so that that is who I am. And, and it is the early years. But I think at some point it was also about the fact that, you know, you have a choice to make, you know, when these obstacles come in front of you and challenges when you can choose to go one way or the other. Uh, you know or you know multiple forks in the road quite frankly and so for me it's been about you know my eye on the north star in terms of not only from a business perspective and wanting to deliver and be successful but to do that you know in a capacity where i've built some followership right where teams want to come along you know with me i've been through 18 merger acquisitions or some kind of joint venture divestiture you name it some m&a activity and through all of that have come like substantial challenge, synergy, cost takeout, et cetera. And for me, it's the North Star has been we've got shareholders for sure in terms of, you know, achieving business results. Uh, we have, you know, our, our our employees and our clients. But at the end of the day, I also want to do the right thing. You know, I'm, I'm a parent. And so a big part of my job, I tell my kids when making tough decisions and calls for them is like, you know, I'm here to make sure you grow up to be successful humans and success is you define it, you know, but you know, happy, but ultimately you're also really good.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, let me, let me ask this question this way. If we were having, if I were having a conversation with some of those that you have led throughout your many years in leadership positions, uh, leading many, many people from an early age, what would be some of the great championship leadership characteristics that they would talk about inside of you?
2: So they probably say, you know, I'm, I'm tough, but I'm fair. And by tough is more that I set a very high bar for performance. One that I hold myself accountable to as well. You know, the other hashtag I said, my kids don't love um, some, some of my team don't love it. Is you know, no excuses, right? Like we have clients we are delivering for and by client, it's not just those paying, paying the bill, but definitely those, but internal ones as well right? So if you cannot deliver, you do one of a couple of things. You manage the expectations for a new deliverable date, you know, or you do what it takes to get the job done, right? So if you were to talk to my team, I'm tough, I'm fair, I set a high, a high bar that I myself, you know, strive to, you know, deliver against, you know, but in a way that, you know, without accepting excuses. On the other side, you know, the marshmallow soft side I talked about, has been, you know, that I really do try and understand the authentic whole self that shows up every day or sometimes the, the bits that they're afraid to share, right? So when I notice, I, so I literally will slack someone or pick up the phone and call them. I'm like, are you, are you okay? Like my spidey sense is going off, right? So mm-hmm. is there something that I need to, to, to know about to help you be better?
1: Yeah, yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. And that is one question that I have not asked before. So appreciate that bringing that out in the, in the conversation today. Um, What is, you know, I think there's a championship leadership, great vision, uh, kind of ahead of, ahead of the time, or maybe the ability to see things that others are not able to. And then also just that courage to take action on it. Um, I know you are not just a senior executive, but also you do some speaking, you're an author, you know, so maybe you can talk a little bit more about, you, for you personally, what is the vision for you? What is the impact that you want to make? What's this, what's this mission for you in life and what you're hoping to accomplish, let's say, in the short term, maybe even five years out.
2: Sure. You um, used one word, Nate, which is very much what I would say for me, uh, it, you know, my objectives around. It's about, it's about delivering impact in, in all those that I touch and I engage with. And quite frankly, you know, those I don't. And so for me, that means a number of things. I talk about doing the right thing, but I'm also highly competitive. So I want to do well in business, right? So I want to, I talk about it, about delivering. So, you know, people say, well, you ever think you get your seat because you're at the table, because you're a woman. I'm like, maybe it helped open the door for me, but I earned the seat to stay. So I'm going to deliver. I'm going to bring impact to the various shareholders. You know, but it's also impact, not just in the EBIT sense of the word, in terms of financial performance. You know, for me, it is about coaching and developing others. I'm a huge advocate and passionate about diversity and inclusion and have been for a very long time. No more so now than the, sadly, the times we sit in as we're having to have conversations about the systematic, systematic racism that exists. And so for me, impact also means recognizing that despite some of my early roots and beginnings, I still have an incredible privilege. You know, I was born in North America and I was born white. I don't have to face many of the things that others do. So for me, the impact means using the privilege I have, the platform I have, whether that's as a leader within an organization that can influence and reach many, many thousands uh, whether it's on a stage or as you mentioned, sort of as, as an author, you know, so for me, it's about being, bringing that kind of, of impact. I mentioned as, as a mom, you know, it's about making sure I raise people who are, they're good kids. They grow up to be good people with great values and choose to themselves have impact. And I don't tell them, I think sometimes they worry, you know, that they need to compare themselves to me and my level of Success and I said that is not, you know, from its success as you define it. You're happy, you're healthy. You choose to be in a relationship. You don't. You have kids. You don't. Although one of you is making me a grandmother. You know that that's what I want, and so that's what I, the impact I hope to have in these multiple facets. And then in the in the short to ish to mid mid midterm for me, you know, it is to make some accelerated um, steps forward on those platforms that I have both. From a work perspective, to be able to do significantly more than I've been able to do. I've been at IBM for just two years, actually, I think, I think today is my anniversary, actually. Um, nope. so, <laughs> so, <Congrats. you> know, <laughs> um and then also continue to have a much you know larger once we can get back on the, the literal stage versus virtual stage to be able to just speak and engage with so many others.
1: Yeah, what what is the how do you define success?
2: My definition of success, as I said, is not the ones I tell my children to define their own. So for me, I, I don't generally compart. Well, and I'm good at compartmentalizing, but there, when it comes, I, I talk about bringing your whole person. It means different things, however, in the different facets of my life. You know, so second marriage for me didn't get right the first time, uh, or I did for eleven years and produced two great kids. Uh, you know, but you know, remarried and so I'm in a you know, in a partnership with someone who you know is the right person for me to be with, we're amazing. During being locked down and all these months now, I can tell you, I made the right choice. Right, like <laughs> yeah. just send my husband away. Uh, you know, at the at the end of the day, so you know that for me, success means being in a. I've chosen to be in a relationship, but that it's not the right thing for everyone. So happy, healthy relationship. You know, I chose to have children. And you know, not that that's always easy, but you know, success for me, you know, means that they're not living at home, you know, when they're thirty still., uh, you know, so I've gotten them into whatever career makes them happy, yeah. whether choose to be in a relationship, but again, good people. And then on stuff outside of, you know work, and so sorry, I should say success for me and work means accelerating to higher levels, either, you know, within our organization. It means, constantly challenging myself. I, I really can't stand the status quo. So I want to be in there about transformation. So being able to continue engage and deliver value in those types of work. And then outside on kind of the adjacent pieces, success for me means, you know, giving, giving back in a variety of ways, whether it's through mentoring and sponsoring others. I'm very involved in the startup community and specifically in funding female-led founders, right? 4% of funding goes to uh, women, uh, less than 1% to people of color, right? So how can I help again, you know, do more that all of those, if I've been able to hear from others that I've had that impact, I've helped them raise, you know, money for their business, or quite frankly, I've lent my time to them that has enabled them to move forward that, that's success.
1: me. So what about physically? and oh. you, uh, you're active and, um, played hockey. Uh, so yeah. What what does that look like for you? What, what a success. Look, I think that's to me, one of the most important pieces of my life. So,
2: yeah. So, um, my workouts are not negotiable for me.
1: Right.
2: I um, I'm a fitness fanatic for sure. So I started volleyball, basketball or my sports growing up. I actually didn't start playing hockey until I was in my twenties. Uh, okay. and then I did triathlons for a number of years switched a few years ago to doing fitness competitions. And ever since, although I'm not competing anymore, uh, I still train six days a week as, you know, heavy weight training. And so for me, like I block my calendar out first thing in the morning, you know, so no one's, you know, blocking me. I'm an early morning workout girl. So yeah. want to get to the gym, get my weight training in, shower ready, and then get off before I take my mm-hmm. first call. So again, not negotiable for me. So success for me will be to continue to be able to, you know, be as strong and, you know, healthy as I am today in my 40s. You know, I love it that people are shocked to learn that I have a 20 and a 16 year old. I have a, I have a fitness goal that is very different than my, my husband's. Interestingly, we work out at the same time, but not together. He is being as ripped as possible. He's got the eight pack. But for me, I want to be the strongest, most definitely the strongest woman in the gym. And I'm often stronger than many of the men. So that success for me is to be able to continue to like push forward and like get new PRs constantly.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Uh, uh, Thank you. What what is a what's a moment in your life like the I like to call the fork in the road moments or, you know. I think we have many of them, right? But what is one or two that maybe really stand out to you where had you made a different decision in that moment, you would be very different place in life. I think there's a lot of listeners, entrepreneurs, people that want to lead that they're in that moment. They kind of, they know where, which way they want to go, but there's a lot of resistance oftentimes to, to make that choice. And it's powerful to hear others share their stories and how they dealt with that.
2: Yeah, I From a career perspective, and so I I should state I'm a lifetime corporate executive, but I've also bought businesses and best businesses. And so I've got the very entrepreneurial spirit as well that comes out uh, both through the work I do inside a corp and outside. And I married a couple of those together. So there's been a couple of those moments for me. One was um, I actually had plans on going to, on being a corporate lawyer. That was my goal from a you know, early childhood, and uh, but I worked for a bank uh, while I was in university, and got promoted very quickly into a leadership role and realized I, I quite liked it. i They asked me to relocate from Western Canada, where I grew up to move to Toronto, where I spent uh, Toronto, New York's where I've spent most of my adult life, however. And um, I came out for just an assignment, and they said, "You know, Victoria, we'd really love it if you'd come back." Permanently in the role here, and so moment number one was to go. Oh, like I was planning on going to law school, and I said, "I guess I'll take a year off between like doing my bachelor's and going to law school. And if I one, if I love Toronto, I'll stay in the East Coast, and um, and then maybe just switch schools there. And if not, I can always go back out west and I'll go to law school. So one, I never went to law school. I also never moved back out to Calgary in Western Canada. Two is after then spending. I think I was at the bank for close to six years. Uh, I had the opportunity to make a big, bold move. And I ran contact centers. uh, So inbound, outbound, sales, service, a variety of different things. And as a result of having been in a number of places within the bank at that point, I got recruited to go into the world of outsourcing, which is really where I sit today. Business to business, outsource consulting technology or services. And... I remember one of my colleagues saying to me, she's like that, you know, here we have pretty decent hours here at the bank. Benefits are good. Relatively low stress. She's, you know, comp is good. Like, why would you leave? And I remember saying to her, Sharice, that was her name. I remember saying Sharice, it's quite frankly, it's actually all of those reasons. You said relatively stable, boring. And so I took a massive, massive opportunity. That was the stretch role that moved me into An executive role. I went from leading operations within a bank, which is relatively safe, you know, Mm -hmm. becoming the COO and general manager for a privately held third-party outsourcing organization, where I all of a sudden had multiple functional areas that I'd never supported directly before. Into me, and so I needed to get comfortable in the discomfort that I was stepping into, but at the same time recognizing that I had transferable skills in an area, even if I hadn't done it directly before that set me on the path from a career perspective, like no other.
1: Yeah. In that conversation with Sharice, it sounds like it maybe was an easy decision for you or was it?
2: It, uh, it was, and it, it, yes and no. So I knew I wasn't feeling fulfilled. I knew I wanted more of a challenge. I am, I'm I'm sure you and your listeners can tell I'm, you know, I'm at, I'm an A type personality and uh, so I'm not very patient. And so I wanted it, but it did scare the hell out of me because, you know, I was a relatively new mom. I would just given birth to my son. He was only a few months old when I stepped into that role. So I was like, you know, what, what, are, what are the trade-offs I'm going to have to make? And again, those unknowns of going from a really safe and you know, one of the big five banks in Canada at the time. So to leave that to go again, privately held organization. You know, with only so much research I could do on the leadership that I was stepping in, going to be reporting to as a new parent. The, all of, all of those dynamics. So yeah. you know, it was one where you could write the the pros and cons on a paper, and the pros were pretty heavily stacked. But there was a fear still that sat inside me of what it meant to you know, my family by making that decision and potentially risking, you know, the cred I built in the organization already and trust in that or uh, to deliver there to go into something completely new.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for walking through that. I, do you find yourself, you know, you kind of talked about it. There was definitely some, yeah, there was, I guess you could call it fear or there was a little bit of something that you are kind of leaning into, right? You're scared. Uh, maybe anxious, anxiety, whatever it is. Um, but yet, you do, and I think a lot of championship leaders, successful people, they learn to be able to lean into those situations because they know that's like being in the right spot, right? And I do t- think it takes some time for people to get there. I, I wasn't always there myself, but I definitely found myself, in, you know, I, I do the same thing when I'm when I'm in that moment when I have those feelings arise. I think I know that it's probably the right place for me. Has that always been there for you?
2: Generally, yes. You know, it's interesting because if people look at my, my profile and trajectory, they might think there's a, it's just somewhat disjointed. And the fact is, I say it, it's not. So it's not, not been like this completely, you know, smooth line to where I've been at, but it always absolutely intuitively, you know, felt right for me. Uh, so as I talk, i talked now a couple of times about change and challenge and growth and offering me that. And so, you know, my trajectory has taken me through always you know, B2B, corporate um, clients that I've served, tech, consulting services, but in a variety of different industries. And so, again, the applicability to like step into them and know that I'm leveraging at the end of the day, people, process, technology, that, you know, they they go across all of these different places. But it was also around listening at times to, again, I, I said intuitive nature. So for me, and more so as I've grown and matured, you know, does the leadership that I'm working with, do they espouse the, you know, the, the right type of leadership themselves? Do they hold the same values and ethics and we are we seeking the same outcomes uh, and can I work together with them? So. You know, it's been definitely. I talked about the pros, cons list and going at it, you know, with as much fact and data as possible. But at the same time, there's these other elements. And so for me, you know, I've taken these bold moves, generally feeling very strong uh, about doing it and knowing it was the right thing. What precipitated some of them were, was, might have been unexpected with these 18 mergers and acquisitions I've been in. Some were, you know, quite frankly, I'd put myself at the epicenter of that, recognizing we needed to make a change and others that might not have been exactly what I wanted. But I always knew that, you know, I could shift and find something that was likely going to land me in a better place than last.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. One last question here, as we start to wrap up, if there were one or two things that you could give the listeners that if they were to implement today would help move their life forward today, what would those be?
2: The notion of, you know, being their own version of unstoppable, right? So that things will come up and there's going to be a choice and it's going to be hard. And I'm not going to tell anyone that it's not, um, you know, but there's a great choice they can make for themselves. And sometimes it is that balance between what do they want personally and being a little bit selfish. So that would be number one. You know, the other is a big part of where I've gotten to both in terms of the clients I'm fortunate to serve, that team that I have, and just more broadly, a lot of it actually has to do with the network I've built. So Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time coaching and talking to people, particularly earlier in their career, definitely entrepreneurs about the value of building the network from this place of, you know, Keith Ferrazzi's books, Never Eat Alone, talked about building that network when you don't need it from a place of generosity and not greed. So I've spent a significant amount of time also just investing in relationships, not with an immediate outcome. I'm not, there's no sale I'm closing right now, but because it might lead to something later. So I'd say be unstoppable, make choices that might be hard, but persevere, but then also build a network and people around you that will help support you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I love it. That's great. What are a few ways that we can um, find out more about you and, and what you're up to social media website?
2: Sure. So you can, I have a personal website. You can find me at victoria Uh You can also look me up on uh, LinkedIn. I uh, happen to be, I'll, I'll show right up at the top. I'm IBM's number one social seller, apparently.
1: Nice. I love it. So yeah, we'll get that linked up too for everybody. But I really appreciate you taking some time to be with us here today, Victoria. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks for having me. appreciate it. In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, nature going home. I miss my life, miss my wife. For 15 months, he was all alone. Marriage has never been better than this And we got three kids, that's who I do it for I'm gonna be a lead